the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. What's up, what's up? Shout out to all you in the posse. I'm Jared, and here on this program, we spread the awesome about healthcare transformation. We don't just tell you how things used to be, we tell you how they are and how they're going to be in the future. We call it Marketing Forward. If that sounds like you, then this is the place for you. So here's what's going to go down today. We'll kick things off with the flavor of the week about how the game board is resetting. Then we'll welcome this week's guest, David Meerman Scott, to give us the lowdown on his new book, Fanocracy. Can't wait to check it out, people. Then we have a double dose of awesome as we welcome David's co-author and daughter, Rayco Scott, to give her version of what the book's all about. Let's go. Flavor of the week. The game board is resetting yet again. Are you where you want to be? There's a lot of movement and upheaval over the last few weeks in where healthcare marketers and tech providers sit on that game board, much more than any year in recent memory. Just since the beginning of the year, Proficient acquired MedTouch, HealthGrades acquired eVariant, SPM acquired CenterTech, SCI Solutions acquired Tonic Health, and Teladoc acquired InTouch Health. It has been suggested to me that the trend started even months ago when PK acquired Connective DX last July. The movement isn't just on the vendor side, and this is the interesting part to me, because this is what's telling me where the real opportunity is. Some of the brightest minds and forward thinkers are finding new gigs or venturing out on their own. I can count no fewer than a dozen industry rock stars who have either gone out on their own as consultants or found a new spot on the game board recently. I don't think it's coincidence that these trends are happening at the same time. Sure, there are different reasons and circumstances for each of these moves on both the vendor side and the individual side, but I still see a trend. What does it all mean? Allow me to connect some of the dots. The stage is being set for the new role of digital experience to be the leader and driver of real change. As my friend Shatal Shah described it, we are at the forefront of the seismic shifts in how consumers and enterprises engage one another. In other words, the game is changing. The key words here, to me, are opportunity and integration. Health systems are needing more integrated service providers to guide them in creating the digital experience that patients are demanding. The last few years have seen marketing make heavy investments in their CRM, their CMS, their marketing automation platforms, and digital advertising. IT has invested in their EHR ecosystem, their patient portal, and consumer electronic devices. Here's that word, integration again. Health systems need more integration between these platforms, and they need strategists to guide them on that path. I'll keep coming back to this. This represents the best opportunity for marketers since the dawn of the internet. Let me back up. 
the opportunity is there for you to pivot your focus and your future success if you don't give up, if you don't ignore it, and if you don't dig your heels into the old school dirt. That game board you learned in school or earlier in your career, it's gone, people. Let's stack the new board in our favor. Start by looking around and noticing where the other players are and strategizing together. If you don't like your position on the board or it disappeared out from under you, this is a great time to find your new spot. Whether you consider yourself branding, content, digital, I mean, isn't everyone digital? Communications, PR, performance marketing, direct response, advertising, MarTech, the winners will play well together, while those who insist on silos will become obsolete, which means the real winners are customers and patients. It's about time. And that's the Flava of the Week. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to spread the awesome with this week's guest. I've got with me David Meerman Scott, the internationally acclaimed business strategist, entrepreneur, advisor to emerging companies, and public speaker. He is the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of 10 previous books, including quite a few you may have heard of and purchased and lived by, including the new rules of marketing and PR. Now, I believe it's in the seventh edition and many others as well. In his spare time, I love the fact that he includes this. In his spare time, he surfs and travels around the world for live music, which I do have a couple questions about. But I want to welcome you, David. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Jared. Thanks very much for having me on. Well, I'm just glad we had an occasion to have you back on because this newest book, Fanocracy, which we're going to get into, we're going to dive into, my understanding it was just released in early January and it's already hit the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list. Is that right? Yeah, and we're thrilled about that. And I say we because I co-wrote it with my 26-year-old daughter who is finishing up medical school. So it's all very, very, very exciting. Yeah, what a cool way to do things. I mean, not just even the fact of it being your daughter, but what different perspectives uh, to begin with. I mean, there's a lot going on in the book. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a, a massive live music fan, 791 concerts in my life. I have a spreadsheet where I keep track, <laughs> including 75 Grateful Dead concerts. And Reiko, my daughter, is a huge Harry Potter fan. And she's a millennial mixed race woman. My wife's Japanese. Reiko was born in Japan. And I'm a middle-aged white guy. So... Um, Working on this book together was great because two different, very different perspectives makes it way, way, way better. For sure. And in fact, yeah, but we're, we're going we're gonna to get into business here momentarily, but you mentioned live music, right? So I'm very curious. I'm a, I can't say I've attended that many, but I've attended as many as I can, right? Yeah. So I, I love a good concert from pretty much anybody of any genre, to tell you the truth. I'm curious uh, if anyone has stuck out to you recently, let's, let's say the last three or four months. Last three or four months, I absolutely loved the David Byrne American Utopia Broadway show. David Byrne, of course, being the front man of the Talking Heads. I saw the Talking Heads back in the day in the early 1980s, but this David Byrne American Experience, uh, sorry, American Utopia show was so good. I went on opening night of the Boston run, which was the warm up two weeks warm up before Broadway, went opening night, loved it so much, went back again, loved it so much, I went again to closing night. And um, uh, then he, he took the show to Broadway for a couple of months, I believe, as we're recording this, it's still going on. What a cool tie into this whole, the whole theme of what we're going to talk about today, which is the whole thought of, of fans. I mean, you talk about someone like, like David Byrne, who has... Man, he's gone through some metamorphoses himself, yeah. you know? I mean, what an evolution. 
Amazing, absolutely amazing. And having seen the Talking Heads back in the day and then seeing what David Byrne is doing right now, I mean, it's it's just, it's incredible how he's maintained a fan base through all those decades. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. Yeah, let's drill into that a bit. This whole thought of having a fan base and how you create passionate fans because that's what the book is about. That's what we want to talk about in the rap battle. Rap Battle! Rap Battle is where we challenge the status quo of healthcare. And the interesting thing about this industry is that everyone is a customer. Everyone has experienced healthcare, and it's not usually something you go out there and seek. So there's some unique things there too. But I think one thing that's really interesting with this whole concept of a fanocracy is that it seems of all industries that are out there where it would make sense for this to play well and for it to be important for brands to figure out. It would be something like healthcare, right? I mean, so let's dive into the concept itself. You know, tell us, you know, just the the whole theme of the book. What is a fanocracy? Let's start right there. Sure. So a fanocracy is when fans rule. A democracy is a rule by the people and a fanocracy is a rule by the fans. If I were to sum up this entire book, fanocracy, subtitle is turning fans into customers and customers into fans. If I were to sum up the book in one sentence, it would be that it's all about a true human connection. And um, Reiko and I, as we were digging into these ideas starting five years ago, we recognized, number one, that we were massive fans of the things we love. But we also recognized that the world, especially the online world, but the world in general, has become colder and darker in recent years. It's become very polarizing in the political world. The social networks are very polarizing places right now. The companies are just doubling down on interrupting you with, with sales messages. And it just doesn't feel as if we're having those true human connections. And I'm absolutely convinced, we are absolutely convinced based on this research that any organization, especially in healthcare, can rise above the normal way of doing things and develop that connection. Now you talk about the the different types of connections are we talking about with, with just customers and a brand? What other kind of connections are we talking about? Let's be a little more specific. Um, Reiko and I talked to a number of neuroscientists and it was really interesting for us to learn what's actually going on in the brain when you become fans of something. And the bottom line of what we took from all of those discussions is that we humans are hardwired to want to be a part of a tribe. We want to be a part of a tribe of people who are like us because that's actually a survival technique. You know, when you're part, when you're with your tribe, it means you're safe. And if you're not within your tribe, you feel vulnerable. And so when I'm at a Grateful Dead concert and I've been to 75 of them, I feel safe and I can turn to anybody next to me and strike up a conversation because we're part of the same tribe. And so, there's a number of different elements of this. And one of the ones that we found so interesting that anybody can do is the idea of getting physically closer. And so there's one neuroscientist whose name is Edward T. Hall who talked about this idea of the closer you get to someone, the more powerful the human connection. And so he identified different levels of how close you are to someone. So the furthest of about 12 feet or further, he called public space. 
then inside of 12 feet, from 12 feet to four feet becomes what he called social space, and then four feet or closer is personal space. The closer you get to someone, the more powerful the, the emotional connections are. So that if you're with your tribe, you're with people you trust, you go into a cocktail party and you know people, they're your friends, and you get within cocktail party distance, personal space, four feet or so away, that's incredibly positive, powerful human connection and emotional sharing. You get into a crowded elevator, you don't know those people, you, can ha you have a negative reaction that's hardwired. It's a survival technique. So what does this mean? This means that the more that you understand this connection and getting closer to people, the better. And in all sorts of healthcare industries, how can you facilitate that? Now, a lot of people say that's difficult if they're in online businesses or they're in global businesses. And there's another concept around mirror neurons that we learned about. Mirror neurons being the part of our brains that fire when we see or even hear somebody do something as if we're doing it ourselves. which I'll demonstrate now by taking a bite of a lemon. And if I take that bite of a lemon, my eyes close and my eyes start to water and my mouth puckers up and my saliva is running and, and it's a really, really strong taste to bite into a lemon. And if you had seen me bite into that lemon, your mirror neurons would fire. And I bet even just hearing me, Jared, talking about biting into a lemon, you may have felt a little bit of lemon on your, in your mouth as well. I did. I puckered up literally right when you said that. Isn't that weird? So here's how we can all use this. We can all use this by using video and photographs in the way that we communicate with people. And any org, anybody can do this, healthcare for sure. So if you crop video or photographs as if you're four feet away from the person, so in other words, four feet away from the camera, looking directly at the camera, providing information via video, Shooting a selfie is within this because your arm is about four feet away. You're looking directly at a camera. These are incredibly powerful because our mirror neurons tell us that we're actually right next to that person, even though intellectually we know that we're not. And so ways that healthcare providers can use this is doctors and nurses can use this to communicate with patients who might be at home or communicate through their websites or simply providing information about who they are, you know, and most doctors and so on will have a picture of them from far away and maybe in their office and so on, but not that up close smiling and personal. And that can be an incredibly powerful thing to effectively use video and photographs in the healthcare world. And we do. We do use video and images occasionally in healthcare, don't we? So many vendors, so little time. Expecting me to know them all is practically a crime, but it's what my job's about. Yeah. It makes me want to shout. Yeah. I need some help deciding who to use without a doubt. Something everyone wants. Like a secret decoder. Something everyone needs. Like your own baby Yoda. Help me to choose. I can't afford to lose. Isn't there a website that I really ought to use? Martech.health. Martech.health. Do yourself a favor. Check it out for yourself. Need to find a vendor? This is the way. Martech.health. Who you gonna pick today? Martech.health is the vendor directory built specifically for healthcare marketing, communications, and digital professionals. People like you. 
founded and run by the OG himself, Healthcare Internet Hall of Famer Ed Bennett. It's designed to make your next vendor selection process less painful. And here's why. Over 600 vendors across 40 industry categories, verified vendor reviews and ratings from your peers, a resource library of articles, videos, and events, plus an anonymous messaging tool to get your vendor questions answered without worrying about endless callbacks. All of this is free to use and share. Check it out at martech.health. What other opportunities do healthcare organizations, we can focus on maybe hospitals, health systems, clinics, et cetera. Uh, What other opportunities do those organizations have to learn from the research you did in the book? Another concept that we really enjoyed hearing about, and it came up again and again, is the idea of passion. And when I mean passion, passion for the things that you love. And this, I think, is a really powerful thing for healthcare, for, for hospitals and healthcare facilities and whole systems where when people are showcasing what they're a fan of, what they're showcasing their passion, that passion is infectious. So this can be something as simple as wearing the pin of the sports team you love on your white coat. It can be something as simple as having... I live in the Boston area and um, Reiko is doing her training at Boston Medical Center and they have go socks, go red socks signs and BMC. And that sharing of passion is something that becomes infectious. And in a world where people are so professional in the healthcare field, everyone is you know, highly educated and professional, showcasing what you're passionate about can really humanize you in such a way that it developed fans. And I want to give you a specific example. We spoke with Dr. John Marashi. He's actually a dentist in Southern California, but he's a dentist who loves to skateboard. And in his office, he has skateboards mounted on the wall. In his office, he skateboards from one examination room to another. On his Instagram at Dr. John Marashi, he has images of him skateboarding. He's now got 13,000 followers on Instagram. And he told us that this is one of the most powerful things for his entire practice because he's sharing his love of what he likes to do outside of work, which is skateboarding, but he's sharing it as part of his work. And he's now developed fans of him because they love the fact that he's so passionate about skateboarding, even if those people who become his fans aren't skateboarders themselves, because that passion he has for skateboarding is infectious. That is such a cool example. It it really is. There's so much for us to learn from in, in healthcare from these types of examples and from this research. Final question on on fanocracy. I, I'm wondering if, uh, it, if you can talk to us about the genesis of the book. You know, like how did this idea even come to fruition for you? You know, like what what caused you to start going this direction? So Reiko and I were driving in the car about five years ago, and I was I've been thinking about what my next book might be, and I was sort of thinking about how weird is it that I've been to seventy five Grateful Dead concerts, and then Reiko said to me, "Well, how weird is it that not only have I read every Harry Potter book and seen every Harry Potter movie multiple times, and gone to Orlando to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter several times, and gone even to the UK to go on the studio tour where they filmed the movies, but Daddy, I wrote an eighty five thousand 
thousand word alternative ending novel to the Harry Potter series where Draco Malfoy is a spy for the Order of the Phoenix. And I put that on a fan fiction site and it's been downloaded thousands and thousands of times and commented on hundreds of times. And Draco said, we're both weird. We're both geeks. You're a geek about live music and the Grateful Dead and I'm a geek about Harry Potter. And then it was kind of like a spark and I'm like, wow, there's something there. There's something around this concept of fandom. So we decided to collaborate on writing the book, she being a millennial woman, me being a middle-aged white guy, and, and decided that we would collaborate. And our thesis was that any organization can build fans, not just entertainers like rock bands and book authors. And it turns out that we found absolutely that's true because we found examples in healthcare. We found examples in nonprofit organizations. We found examples even in a government agency. There's a government agency we discovered that has 50 million fans. You can walk down the street in any city in the world and not be surprised that somebody is walking towards you with a NASA t-shirt. It's a government, U.S. government agency with tens of millions of fans. And so we came up with a, uh, prescriptions for how organization can develop fandom. And it was just really the spark was us chatting about what we're fans of and me saying, gee, maybe that's a topic for a book. And wouldn't it be fun to write this together? And fortunately, uh, Reiko agreed. Well, you talk a lot about passion here and you can hear it in your voice just about everything to do with this concept. I want to thank you for your time. This is such a powerful concept for marketers to understand. For those listeners who want to reach you, what's the best way for them to do that or even pick up a copy of the book? Yeah, great. So on social networks, I am DM Scott. That's D-M-S-C-O-T-T. Reiko is Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N underscore Reiko, R-E-I-K-O on uh, Twitter. And there's a, a great website we've put together at www.fanocracy.com that has uh, a bunch of stories of some of the examples that we've shared today. And there's um, some downloads of the proximity graphic that I shared around uh, how close you get to people as well as a preview of the book. And that's fanocracy.com. Dot com. Outstanding. He is David Meerman Scott. The book is Fanocracy. Thanks so much for your time, David. Thanks a lot. It's great to be here. I need a dime, ain't faking a book. So you crank out content, but it's getting stale. It might be nutritious, but it tastes like kale. You're down with finding a way to up your marketing game. Yeah, but when you look for help, everyone seems lame. We're Ultera Digital. Google us and see. We're spelled like ultra with an extra E. We'll help you market forward. Google us and look. We're Ultera Digital. It's off the hook. Hey guys, this is Jared. Ultera Digital is just another name for our consulting team that helps you when your content, your strategy, or your brand is getting stale. You know, like that chocolate glazed donut that was a little piece of heaven in the morning, but when you left it on your desk until 4.13 in the afternoon and you went to finish it off, by then, mm, not so heavenly, was it? By now, you know our philosophy that content is the future, but only when it engages audiences and it isn't a snooze fest. And you've heard how we roll. The healthcare rap, what you're listening to right now is Exhibit A. We don't do boring. So if your content, your special event, or your strategy is getting stale, let us help you give it that spark, that rhythm, that new life you're looking for. Ultera Digital, marketing forward. Okay, now back to the podcast, right? Because it's pretty legit. All right, so we're going to have like a double helping of awesome this week because we've also got, we just spoke with David about the book Fanocracy, and now I have David's co-author and his daughter, 
Reiko Scott. Reiko is the co-author of Fanocracy, and she's a fourth-year med student at Boston University. With matching coming up, match day is right around the corner, and how exciting of a time. But uh, Reiko, I want to welcome you to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I asked your dad right towards the end of his interview in terms of where the, the thought of the book even started, kind of the genesis of it, kind of what got that started. Do you remember that kind of where this whole thing got started and how you guys came up with the idea to write a book together? Yeah, I'm sure he told you it was in a, in a car ride. He was talking about these ideas that he was having about writing about fandom and how that applies to business. And he turned on his phone, started recording our conversation because he was asking me about my fandoms, you know, going to Comic-Con, Harry Potter, writing fan fiction, all of that. And the more we talked, the more he like did this again and again, like, oh, I'm going to record you again. I realized that I had so much more to say than just through him. It's like, no, I think, I think we have to write this together or else I won't be able to really say what I want to because I've been thinking about all these ideas for so long. So it started from there and we passed on all these ideas back and forth and it became the book that it is now. Well, that's what I like about it is the, that depth, that additional perspective that it brings because there, you know, initially the, the way you two are able to tie together things like yeah, Harry Potter, Comic-Con, live music, all these things that unless, unless somebody's thinking about it through the lens that you two were, they might not necessarily think they're all related. And yet you were able to pinpoint that exact thing and how it relates to business. I think it's just a, a fabulous concept itself. And one other topic that, that you had a lot to do with or, or a lot of thought about was narrative medicine, which is mm-hmm. a, a really fascinating topic in itself. Tell us about narrative medicine, how narrative medicine and your interest in it kind of fit with the whole theme of fanocracy. So I've always been someone when I've been growing up that did both medicine, both like science. I was interested in science as well as the humanities. And I always thought that there were two separate things. And I was very stressed all through schooling, being like, what am I going to do? I want to do both. And I went to Columbia for undergrad because I could basically major in a science and take half of my classes being humanities classes. And they are where this idea of narrative medicine came about, where they have this idea that medicine shouldn't just be a scientific pursuit. The real skills that you have when you're talking to patients and when you're communicating with them should be coming from a narrative perspective as well. And so a group of both medicine faculty as well as people from the humanities like literature and philosophy came together to form a kind of group of skills that they can give to healthcare professionals to make them better at what they do. Things like close reading, close listening, literary practices that will help you better in getting a history from a patient, and as well as things like justice and other aspects that aren't really taught as well in a more medicine-oriented medical school education. And that really spoke to me because it was coming from both aspects, both sides that I didn't think were that related. But then as I went on, I I thought about these ideas and the real physicians that that were mentors to me, I found tended to be those that that shared these ideas that both loved literature, like quoted poetry to me, but then were also amazing physicians. But it wasn't in spite of the fact that they did all these other things. It was because 
they were really good at understanding how stories worked. And so they really heard their patients as like full, whole humans rather than just their problem. And then went on to be able to better explain, okay, these are the decisions we're making medically in a way that the patient understood. And that's just kind of how I came to really think that narrative medicine was really important in a professional sense. So it sounds like other healthcare organizations can learn a couple of things from this. First, the appeal of narrative medicine among providers and how that's growing. But then second, the fact that your experience with it kind of came at a grassroots level, right? This wasn't a national, these weren't anyone advertising in your face and that's how you learned about it. It was other people, it was word of mouth. So the way that the fanocracy around narrative medicine and your experience was kind of built was kind of one person at a time. And it, it was, it sounds like it was more of a grassroots level. I think there's a, a great lesson there to learn. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was definitely me being provided with amazing examples of it and thinking that's how I want to practice. That is amazing way of presenting yourself as a physician that I want to emulate rather than it being yeah, advertised, like you say. Well, I think those are fabulous things that, that just kind of complement and round out this whole thought of, of a fanocracy among our healthcare organizations and what we can really do to leverage that. And so I wanted to thank you for your time. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us and a best of luck. How exciting of a time you've got coming up right in front of you. And we can't wait to hear what comes next for you. Thank you. Thanks listeners for tuning in. Don't forget to join the posse. Listen, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. Healthcare Wrap is an Altera Digital production and a member of the Shift.Health Network. So on behalf of David and myself, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap. 